Welcome to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Chase, and I'm here with my co-host, Lily. Hello. We are a supernatural horror podcast where we tell each other scary stories that are allegedly true, and sometimes we have a few drinks along the way to make it a little <laughs> bit more fun. So cheers to all of you who are joining us, and uh, today's episode, we're actually recording in the morning, so... Yes, super early for us, anyway. So, so no beers, <laughs> nothing like that, just water, coffee, all the good stuff. Yeah. Um, before we start, our October movie month continues once again, another week in, as me and Lily watch different horror movies every night. We posted a calendar of all the movies we are going to be watching on Instagram at the beginning of the month. You can totally check it out now. We have quite a few people following along, and if you want to as well... Please do. And at the end of the episode, we will talk about the movies we saw in the previous week, as well as ones coming up uh, before the next episode. We try to keep it as spoiler-free as possible, so you don't have to worry about it. But we also leave it at the end, in case you're not following the movie list, you don't have to sit through that. Also, we are planning on doing a listener scary story episode for the last one of the month for Halloween. Yeah, coming up. So uh, we've been asking people to submit their scary stories. Uh, if you already have, we really appreciate it. If you haven't, please send it our way. Not all of them are going to make it on this episode, but we were going to be doing that as a repeating thing. So it'll it'll come out at some point. Yeah. Uh, if you have anything and you want us to read it out, send everything to hotwpodcast at gmail.com or any of our social media accounts. And if you want it to be read anonymously, like you don't want your name attached to the story, don't worry. Just let us know and we won't let your... <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to say it. <laughs> just totally going to do it. I try to embarrass you as much as possible. Uh, so uh, I think that covers all the all the starting stuff. I mean, I'm super excited because uh, Halloween is close. a week away. It's yeah. a week and one day away. And we actually might have trick-or-treaters this year because... Well, yeah, last year no one was outside, was, but... Like, Halloween was closed last last year. <laughs> that so, year was closed, just out of service. So, I think this week we're going to get our pumpkins and do our jack-o'-lanterns and everything. And oh, yeah, up. we still need to carve pumpkins. I always get, like, itchy because I think I'm slightly allergic, but isn't everyone kind of, or is that just me? I think that might just be you. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> but you're allergic to everything, so I'm not, I'm not surprised. Oh, like, this is normal, my arm hurting. It's totally fine. We have to balance it. Like, I think I need to get the pumpkins maybe today or tomorrow before they sell out, but we don't carve them until usually on Halloween night or at the earliest the night before so that the they don't start falling apart so and shriveling like, up and getting moldy. Looking like they're 100 years old. Yeah, we have a good friend who's like, oh, if you put them in a bleach bath and then cover them <laughs> with Vaseline after you carve them, they don't rot. And I was like, I actually believed her. And then she tried it this year. She already carved her pumpkins. It didn't work. They're already <laughs> creating new batches of penicillin for next year. <laughs> yeah, we're, they're working on the next outbreak already. Like, yeah. let's, uh, they're creating let's, new diseases. <laughs> yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. But I think... I think maybe we should get into the stories. Awesome. I agree. So what do you have for me? I have a very interesting, different story, but one that I found just as equally as scary as some of the ones I've told. Perfect. So this is called The Watcher House. It is, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's pretty popular, pretty famous, actually, just like, especially at, at, at its time, but... All right. I do actually remember hearing about this a couple of years ago myself. It's a fairly new story. It started in uh, 2014, but I didn't even know about it until 2019. And there's a specific reason, which I'll get to at some point. Um, but because the story is related to maybe our current situation about house hunting and buying a new house, this oh, is going no. to scare the hell out of us. And we're trying to see a house today, too. What are you doing to me? I want you to know if we end up buying a haunted house, I 
I think I'm just gonna blame you. I don't know why. I just I have this feeling. Because I just like I'll be like it. I'll be like, hey, I, this house is giving me weird vibes, and he'd be like, shut up, you loser, and we're gonna buy it, and then I'm gonna like get killed by a ghost. I'm like, we have a tornado in our living room. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Let's find a new place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> tornado. <laughs> No, I'm thinking of like a crazy poltergeist. Um, so this story takes place on June 2014, where Maria and Derek Broadus and their three children purchased what they thought was their dream home. It was located at 657 Boulevard Westfield, New Jersey. Maria actually grew up in the same neighborhood, only three blocks away. And at the time, it was rated as the 30th safest neighborhood in the United States. Derek grew up in a working-class family, but had worked his way up the economic ladder and had recently promoted to senior vice president at an insurance company in Manhattan. So they were very well off and could certainly afford their new $1.3 million home. Oh, man. It's totally like house hunters. I know. They're like, (laughs) I work at McDonald's and my uh, wife sells toothpicks on Etsy. Yeah. Our budget, $10 million. Customized toothpicks, Chase. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you make the money. Only three days after they closed on their home, Derek was at the house finishing up an evening of painting and decided to call it a night. But before leaving, he went to go check out the mail. And aside from maybe some bills that he was anticipating, he also saw that they received a white envelope that was simply addressed in thick handwriting. So I saw like what the letter I think was supposed to look like. It just looks like a big, thick marker. Okay. That read, quote, the new owner, end quote. Inside the letter, it said... Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 567 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 567 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and it and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I've been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 60s. So it is now my time. I see already that you have flooded five, uh, 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make five. Uh, I'm so dyslexic. 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Then the writer, in cursive, signed, The Watcher. All right. Well, first off, fuck that guy. (laughs) Or woman. How dare you? Fuck that person. Sorry. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, We give you serial killers, too. Whoever wrote that, um, I don't care if it was a prank or if it was real. That's one of the most messed up things you can do. And I wish horrible things to you. Um, and it was only three days after they closed on the house. So it's like that's really messed now. up. And right. you know how even let's just pretend the house is 100 percent not haunted. Yeah. And this was just some guy pulling a plane. Maybe it was someone who lost a bit on the house 
and they just wanted to mess. Oh, nice. Yeah, because right now we're doing well a lot done. of bidding wars now. So, like, what if the guy lost? And he's like, I'm going to ruin this for them. You're going to really mess up their opinion because even if nothing's wrong with the house, every time they hear a creak or whatnot, they're just going to start thinking about it. The human mind can play tricks. Oh, yeah. It's pretty messed up. It's very messed up. And it's interesting that you said that, the whole bidding thing, that is actually one of the theories or uh, possible possibilities of who might have written this. This is something that like came up eventually, obviously, during the investigation. They're like, maybe it was someone who had been in the house and lost it. Now, I'll get to that in a little later. Um, if I forget to mention again, let me know. But I'll, I'll talk about all that good stuff, too. Absolutely. Um, so, I don't know what you would have done. But I think just, I think, like, since they mentioned the children, I think that was definitely the, the cinching part. Because I... That would have been like me being like, okay, maybe I should be more cautious because my kids are now in danger. But if it was just me and that whatever person, I'd be like, game on, bitch. Game on. Bring <laughs> uh, it on. <laughs> uh, so like I said, Derek Broaddus was alone at the house. And when he discovered the letter, uh, it was around 10 p.m. He was so freaked out about it that he ran around the house, turned off the lights, and then called his uh, or didn't well called his wife too, but the Westfield police as well. True. Then the officer arrived. He read the letter and asked Derek if he had any enemies, and then just suggested that he remove the construction equipment from his backyard just so that they don't cause any damage or steal. Obviously, the officer couldn't really do a whole lot except take in the report for record, but there really wasn't. I don't blame the officer. It's not like I don't think he was like who cares i just mm-hmm. think since they weren't actually living at the house yet it's like okay well we don't need a car patrolling at this point you know it's, it's going to be empty totally. we'll just see what happens totally derek went home and showed maria the letter together they decided to immediately email the previous owners who sold them the house john and andrea woods the woods responded the next day and they claimed that in the 23 years they lived there they had never received a letter like that until a couple of days before they moved out they received one. At the time, they didn't even pay much attention to it and ended up throwing the letter away. Like I had mentioned before, this is one of the safest neighborhoods in the entire country. And the fact so, that they did get something also yeah. makes me wonder if they're lying. Because right. they said, we've never received anything. I'd be like, I believe it. I believe this is some new scummy something. person. But like if they said they received one, I was like, did you receive one? Or had you been receiving for like a year and that's why you moved? Right. It's like it's something scaring you away uh-huh. and you're not disclosing it because I assume in this state that wouldn't have been required. Yeah. Um, either way, the Woods agreed to meet Maria and Derek to file a police report at the police station. Detective Leonard Lugo or Lugo... Lugo, advised them to not mention the letter to anyone, especially their neighbors, because they were now all suspects. So now it just like increases the paranoia, I think. Mm. You know, everyone you see, everyone you meet is now a potential serial killer or like psycho or just someone messing with you. Either way, it's not a peace of mind. I wouldn't go to work. I would just sit at my window and stare (laughs) out at people and I would descend into a very bad form of mental illness as I just (laughs) suspected the entire world. I'd have like a gun with me right next to the window and be like, if you stare in this window for more than eight seconds, I I know. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you could do that very long because I don't know how you'd be able to avoid a $1.3 million home otherwise. toothpicks on Etsy. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure, sure. And like virtual kisses, be like here. Virtual kisses. <laughs> that's the that's the new fad. <laughs> I felt virtual kisses. <laughs> so yes, that is um, their situation. Obviously, like I said, they were now on high alert. And on one occasion, Derek was giving one of the neighbors a tour of the house when one of them said, "It'll be nice to have young blood in the neighborhood." 
he and his wife just froze because remember mm-hmm. in the letter they mentioned oh, something yeah. about young blood i i'm assuming this is just obviously like a common maybe saying for like an older generation i don't find myself ever saying that ever so but usually when i hear the term young blood it's usually in a more um competitive and like uh, you saying that to a neighbor is weird saying it'd be nice to have kids in the neighborhood again or a young youthful people, or a something. youthful presence right. yeah when you say young blood it's like when cops there's new recruits they'd be like oh yeah we got some oh, new oh, young blood here yeah that's kind of how i've heard it too exactly. so i was confused i'm like is that it's just like different? a hazing ritual kind of like it's the got, rookies like oh yeah they're it's not new pleasant i mean sure it'd be like going up to a family member who's pregnant it's like yeah it'll be so good for some young blood in this family no <laughs> let's see if he survives this world yeah those neighbors yeah, I would keep an eye on them too. Be like, mm. I'd be like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna mark you. Okay, <laughs> marked ones. <laughs> so two weeks after the first letter, they received a second letter. The family hadn't moved in yet because they were still renovating their home, but that didn't seem to slow down the watcher. The letter was discovered by Maria, who had stopped by the house to check out paint samples. The letter contained even more personal details, including their names. However, the watcher had misspelled their names as well. The letter also contained the children's birth order, but I'd argue that wouldn't be too hard because mm-hmm. they the kids were like 5, 8, and 10. Mm-hmm. That's enough of a discrepancy to see. Um, but they did know the children's nicknames. So to me, that suggests that not only is he close enough to watch, but he's also close enough to listen. Oh, one creepy fact that he mentioned was describing their daughter's painting on an easel in an enclosed porch and asking, is she the artist in the family? That is so fucked up. Okay, so I wouldn't just be not going to work. I wouldn't be sleeping, and I'd have my gun, and I'd be doing patrols. Okay, so my... you're you're sane then. You're good. I, I, I'm i going to go watcher hunting. That's sure. what I'm going to do. There it is. Um, here's an excerpt uh, from the second letter. Quote, welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch whatever that means have they found what is in the walls yet in time they will it has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house have you found all the secrets it holds yet will the young blood play the in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone i would be very afraid if i were them it is far away from the rest of the house if you were upstairs you would never hear them scream will they sleep in the attic or will they all sleep on the second floor who has the bedroom facing the street I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All the windows and doors and in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. End quote. So that is an interesting theory that you had earlier mm-hmm. that maybe they were scared off, they were like threatened, and it was time for them to leave. Yeah, because I got this vibe when they said they received one right at the end and they didn't pay attention to it. What that struck me as was kind of like uh, when cops tell you if they pull someone over and they ask, "Have you had any drinks?" Yeah, and they'll and if they if they're hammered and they've had like a million <laughs> drinks, they'll say, "Oh, just one or two. And so they realize one or two is like that warning sign, meaning. They're, They've already admitted, but because they can't get away with nothing, exactly. they can't say no. 
but they will want to say how many, obviously. Exactly. And yeah. so the fact that this family, the if they were trying to get away with it, they should have said no. Right. Because they already threw it away or something. But <laughs> the fact that they said one, I was like, it's more than one. Yeah. It just, I just feel it in my nuggets. Okay. So. <laughs> Very well. We'll see if you're right. Um Understandably, after reading the letter, Marie and Derek stopped bringing their children to the home and decided to move into the, or and decided not to move into the house until this was entirely resolved. Several weeks later, they received their third letter. The watcher asked, "Where have you gone to? Six Five Seven Boulevard is missing you." And I think that was all that was written, or at least released. Derek and Maria had hired private investigators and kept following up with police to see if they had found anything, but. Everything was a dead end. Derek, in particular, became obsessed and conducted his own investigation. Yeah, so you guys are definitely on the same page there. Mm-hmm. It would. Uh, Ain't no one threatening my family. <laughs> he would definitely. It, okay, so this is some of the parts that I thought was hilarious. He he would hide in bushes at night, mm-hmm. uh, set up webcams, and even had a chart of the neighborhood showing at what range people would be able to hear them talk. So he went like, heck yeah, pretty good. I thought that was clever. Derek also reached out to an FBI agent he knew because they were on a board of trustees together. Uh, From there, he also hired another FBI agent, Robert Lenahan, who received the letter and had some interesting conclusions. He believed that the writer was older. There were some old-fashioned tics in his writing, as he put it. He also noted that the lack of profanity was unsettling, considering the level of anger they wrote in. Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Lenahan didn't think the Watcher would act on its threats. Like, it wasn't... Maybe this person wasn't necessarily, like, inherently very violent, but he did believe that they were erratic and angry, so it was possible. I mean, I know that's kind of vague, but... You know, I don't know, because otherwise I feel like if well, he the really is used to profiling, exactly, this is what they do. yeah, doesn't mean they're always going to be right, but it means it's worth listening to. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, like you said, he's he uh, erratic and angry, and in particular towards people who move into the neighborhood and are new money. So, very strange. The broadest received another letter that read. So this is now bum bum their fourth letter, or maybe I wonder if I'm I wrote that. Fourth. Okay, yeah. fourth. Uh, The third one's saying, like, where y'all at? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Where you be? Okay. Uh, This one says, quote, 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. It will be patient and wait for me to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. End quote. So I have one question for you. Continue. Okay. <laughs> is he sending this through the USPS postal system? Yes, he is. Because I was like, if he's just putting them in the... Right, so I think that's what that was the issue here because yeah. at first I thought so too. I was like, okay, shouldn't be that hard to catch him, especially if you have cameras, right? Like he put up the webcams, blah blah blah. He's hiding in bushes, but no, I guess. And they found out from where it was being sent from. So obviously the okay, postage. I was I was wondering if they could. Figure yeah, that I forgot out. to write down that city, but they do know that. But I guess that was also a dead end. Was it at least they were nearby. 
Um, I think it, it was in New Jersey, I think. So he so, was probably just driving somewhere else to send the letters. Exactly. To just some random booth or yep. what do you call him? Yeah. So he, he's clever. He is clever enough or to do that. Or she is clever. Sorry. She. The, the <laughs> ungendered psycho is clever. The ungendered psycho. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, this entire incident took a large toll on the family by this point. Aside from feeling like they lost over a million dollars buying a home they can't live in, both Maria and Derek were suffering from serious mental distress. Maria was seeing a therapist that was diagnosed with PTSD, and Derek suffered from depression. Both were suffering from high levels of paranoia and described their day-to-day uh, basically feeling like they were constantly being threatened. The Broadus family had no choice but to sell the house after only six months of ownership. Unfortunately, it seemed that... There were enough rumors spreading around and scaring potential buyers. Yeah. Uh, Since detectives had told the family to not let anyone know about the letters, then potential buyers only heard wild rumors. So no one even knew why, but they knew something was wrong. Something was wrong. And a lot of people, interestingly enough, thought it was because it was haunted, like severely haunted. But really what's happening here is a more true crime situation. You know what I mean? This entire incident, not being able to sell the house, led the Broadus family to sue the Woods, the previous owners, claiming they failed to disclose a letter they received days before moving out. I don't know if I agree with this, only because let's just say they did receive multiple letters. I don't know. It's not illegal to not disclose it. But also, what if they only did receive the one letter and they really were like, okay, psycho, whatever, like I'm leaving and then just threw it away. It's a definite gray area. It's. A, I think it's a gray area. But I don't know. So after the Broadus is sued, a local reporter picked up the story and included sections of the letter in the article. The story went viral. And as soon as the media went crazy, it wasn't long until the entire world knew about the Watcher. In a weird turn of events, this lawsuit caused the Broadus more harm because they because now everyone knew exactly what was wrong with the house and no one would even go near it. Uh, left with little choice, the Broadus then decided to sell the property to a con- contracting company who had planned to split the property and rebuild two separate homes. However, this plan had its own challenges because the neighborhood covenant had a home size minimum. And that would mean that if they did split the home, the developer was going to be like three feet under on each house because of the size. And so the Broadus family appealed the rule to the neighborhood planning board, but it was unanimously rejected and unanimously. After the rule had been made, Maria was quoted saying, this is my town. I grew up here. I came back. I chose to raise my kids here. You know what we've been through. You had the ability two and a half years into a nightmare to make it a little better, but you have decided that this house is more important than we are, end quote. To add salt to the wound, just three years after the rejection, in 2018, the Neighborhood Planning Board received another appeal from another property located just around the corner from the Broadus house. This request was far bigger and more invasive construction project that the Broadus requested, and they were granted the request. So, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe this neighborhood really is messed up and they didn't like these people. Maybe, Maybe so. Yeah, I don't know. You'd think at this point, maybe the drama is now behind us. Well, it's not. Later that year, around Christmas, families had openly protested against the broadest request, received threatening letters in their mailbox. They were also handwritten, and they were signed, Friends of the Broadest Family. Finally, in 2016, almost two years after the first letter, the Broadest family found someone to rent their home. It was an older family where the children had already grown up. 
The renters were fully aware of the home's history, and even in their lease, they had a clause that allowed the renters to move out immediately if they received another letter. Sure enough, two weeks after the renters moved in, they received their other letter. It read, quote, To the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you... <laughs> Sorry, that just reminded me of Dwight. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be. Or maybe you do know... And you are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over the neighborhood and mocked me. I watched you as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are a wonderful invention. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong and its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher. So now he's trying to, like, act like the entire neighborhood is in on it. Yeah. And he also... <laughs> I mean, we kind of got that vibe already, yeah. but he's he's basically confirming it. And, you know, also, I'd like to point out at this point, he's had all the media coverage to help him fuel for maybe information as well. Absolutely. What he's put in the, the letter. But, Absolutely. Uh, he goes on to say, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you fell sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. You are despised by the house, and the watcher won, end quote. The letter also mentioned something about the renter, which did spook them, but they decided to stay there as long as they installed more cameras. So the renters are like, okay, I'm not about it, but I'll live here anyway, because it's a sweet house. <laughs> See, so at this point, if the neighborhood refused that, I'd be like, we're going to trash the heck out of this house. Like, I mean, we're going to make it like you you get every rule of the covenant and you're like, we're going to go as far as we can to not break the covenant, but to get as close to as possible so that this neighborhood it's despises It's super, us. super strict. I, I'm not going to lie. I did look at this house on Google Maps and it's an amazing neighborhood. It literally looks like a neighborhood that... Where Home Alone was filmed or something like a John Hughes movie of some sorts. It was it was so, great. So either there is an actual psychopath or it's someone who's like hated something about like the family. Maybe maybe hated them because when they first walked and said they're not good enough for this neighborhood went on. They decided to concoct this. I don't know. And I think that's exactly what the FBI agent said when he said that you know there's some resentment for new money. You know the the guy was. A success story. You know what I mean? Like he he worked up the the ladder. He's not from a certain class maybe that disturbed him who knows people are crazy so now i'm going to actually go into the suspects one night at 11 p.m wait wait wait. is there more story after the so suspects? there is so i guess i don't know why i wrote it this way but i kind of have the suspects thing where i'm going to talk about it and within that i'll be sharing more information of what happened in between okay, okay. that led to their suspicion okay 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 here we go one night on 11 p.m. at night, while Westfield police were patrolling the Broadus home, a car stopped in front of the house. The car was later traced, belonging to a young woman who lived in a nearby town. It turned out that her that she was dating someone who lived in the same block. The woman was interviewed, to which she revealed that her boyfriend was really into dark video games. And in one particular game, he played a character called The Watcher. 
Initially, he agreed to come in to the station. So they called in for the boyfriend to come in and say, please, we need to ask you some questions, blah, blah, blah. And he agreed, except he kept uh, not showing up. So he just was like, no, or whatever. And every time they'd call him, he'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll be there next time. But he never would. Basically, uh, since there wasn't a lot of information to go on or like, you know, there wasn't any a lot of evidence against him. They couldn't force him. So I guess that's why that was kind of let go. But I also wanted to note that this information was revealed while an investigator was being interviewed. It was off memory. So I'm sure he's probably leaving out a lot of information. Mm-hmm. But perhaps also his recollection might be overzealous because of the whole video game is bad stigma is still very strong with a lot of people. So I think maybe he's like, this could have been him because he plays dark video games, whatever the fuck that means. Right. (laughs) There's also a couple that live behind them. This is the other suspects. One of the painters that worked on the broadest house mentioned that he found it strange that the neighbors had two lawn chairs awkwardly placed at the end of the yard, facing the wall, leading the broadest house. I don't know if this tip was taken seriously, but it just goes to show that the, that the with the right level of paranoia, any little thing that a neighbor could do could make them seem guilty. Absolutely. So yeah, like they just had the lawn chairs like by, do you know what I'm saying? Like by the far end of the wall. It, yeah, it, facing it, them. It might make sense depending on how what direction everything is going, how the sun sets. But but that's true. Maybe they're just like this is the best tanning. But section. I'd also like to point out if they were sitting there hanging out on the chairs watching the house someone would have noticed over time with <laughs> yeah. them binoculars or even something. with binoculars and everything uh so this is like the other suspect that i'm going to mention the broadest attended a barbecue one day as a welcome to the neighborhood sometime between the second and third letter which they took as an opportunity to scope out the neighbors even though they were scared they were determined to learn more about them derek got to talking with john smith who was a neighbor that lived two houses down And John Schmidt started telling him about the Langfords who lived between them. The house belonged to a 90-year-old woman whose children, although all in their 60s, still lived in the same house. Despite many neighbors seeing the situations a little strange, everyone felt that they were harmless. John specifically talked about Michael Langford, who was was one of the children living in the home. He mentioned that he didn't have a job and described him as having weird behavior. He'd often been caught walking into neighbors' yards and peeping through their windows. This was most often a cause for alarm for new neighbors, but I guess over time, people just got used to it. Additionally, since he was living right next door, there was a way to see perfectly into the Broadus' enclosed porch where the daughter would have been painting. Mm. And he could have mentioned that in the letter. Also in the letter, the watcher said that he had been watching the house for quote, the better of two decades, end quote, matching the timeline of Michael Langford's father's death 12 years prior. So he would have been basically watching the house for about, oh, just over a decade. Sure. Derek brought this information to the detective, but they had already known about it. In fact, Langford had already been brought in for questioning soon after the Broadus family received the first letter. Langford, of course, denied knowing anything about it. And since there was no evidence, they had to let him go. Neighbors uh, also vouched for Langford, saying that there's no way he could have written those letters. I should also note that Michael had been diagnosed with schizophrenia when he was younger. So I think maybe that's why they were defending him. Cause, mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. Maria and Derek set up a plan and announced that they were going to demolish the house anyway, hoping to catch Langford in the act of delivering another envelope. But there was nothing. Forensic scientists was able to extract DNA from one of the letters, and it was identified as belonging to a woman. Still not willing to... Com- <laughs> yeah, 
I feel like you have to say something. What's up? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Um, Wait, I, I was just thinking when earlier we were talking about someone who lived in the neighborhood and didn't think someone was good enough for their neighborhood. Yeah. I was, not to make it so topical, I got this super Karen vibe when I was saying yeah. that. And so when you said want to like, a woman, I was probably like, it is, is a, woman. a Karen. <laughs> Karen. Oh, geez. Well, Karens happen to be women, but a Karen, it's it's its own thing. It's, a, it's an everyone. Yeah. So they were still not willing to completely exclude Michael Langford, but detectives did shift their focus to his sister, Abby Langford, thinking that she had been involved. Now, Abby was a real estate agent, which to me, I think really heightens the suspicion. Mm. However, when police obtained a used water bottle from Abby and tested it, the results were not a match. The evidence was enough to exclude the Langfords, and unless new evidence comes into light, the prosecutors were no longer basically interested in pursuing that path. This brings me to the last suspects, the Broadus family. After reviewing the family's financials, investigators were suspicious about the family's home purchasing history. In just 10 years, the family moved from a $350,000 home to a $770,000 home, and then finally to their $1.3 million home on Boulevard. People were accusing them of getting into a financial bind and then creating the watcher as a way to escape their financial burden. Neighbors also found it odd that the family was still renovating the house even after it was established that they weren't moving in, which I thought was stupid. I, You know what I mean? If you have enough to maybe renovate it, you don't want to lose the money that you already purchased the home. And with its stigma, I'd be like, maybe if I make it look cuter, I don't know, then it could be it could sell despite the watchers. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> one's, this one's tricky because yeah. the renovations and then when they eventually like sued because... They couldn't sell it to a contractor on split it. There's yeah, I, I get it. It's expensive. It's stuff. very expensive. Yeah. In one article, when asked how can someone go from a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar home to a one point three million home, and this was asked to Derek Broadus, he just answered, "It's America." I'm like, he's not wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, both Derek and Maria wanted to disclose the letters to serious buyers. They told their real estate agent about them in confidence and wanted to disclose it information so that the next owners would be aware of the situation. That to me does not sound like someone exactly who wouldn't who's you know in a financial bind or whatever. No, exactly. But another thing that might make them look bad was when movie studios started reaching out to the family and requesting the rights to the story. This could have been enough for the family to continue with the charade so they could get more media attention, except that doesn't really fall into it either because apparently they kept pretty hush-hush about it the entire time. Okay. Uh, Lastly, remember those letters that the neighbors received? Wait, wait, wait. So if that's all that we have to say about the Hollywood thing, I think they would, if they were just looking for financial gain and whatnot, because I mean, if this house really was a money pit, you'd think they would have gone into it. Exactly, but there was nev- I, never... I don't, think, I don't think the movies going after him means anything, because if it was a scam, it would have been a way to get money, and if it wasn't a scam, it would have been a way to recoup loss. Yeah. So I don't think a movie company going to them, however they reacted, would ind- indicate anything. I think they were only implying that maybe the first letter that was to get them out of the financial bind, and then after you know that one reporter got wind of it and made it like complete sensation, they saw what an impact it had and maybe the potential money, so it made them continue to send themselves letters, not necessarily... Do you know what I'm saying? But again, that to me doesn't make a Um, lot of sense. No, I don't think it makes a lot of sense either. And also, I didn't write this down, but I remember reading in one of the articles that Hallmark had actually started making a movie based on The Watcher, but the Broadus sent a cease and desist letter saying, we don't want 
our story out there, like, mm-hmm. especially, you know, as a movie or whatever. This doesn't sound like money grabbers. Exactly. I'm like, that would be the opposite of, I, I mean, I guess maybe they're like, well, they give me money, but I don't think that was the point. So, so Hallmark, the famous card company, yes. wanted to make a movie about- I think it was Hallmark. About I, haunted <laughs> stuff delivered in the mail. But maybe there was like a love story or someone had to get an abortion. I don't know. Okay. Hallmark family moment. <laughs> Okay, so that is that's with that section. But uh, lastly, remember those letters that the neighbor received f- around Christmas. The letters would have would later be discovered to be written by Derek Broadus. So this is letters that, like, said friends of the Broadus family that were sent to only the people that rejected. Of course they were, and I, mean, I don't blame him for it. Exactly, either. and that's basically he said, "I totally regret it. Those were the only letters I wrote. I was just angry and I felt betrayed, and I just it was a bad reaction." He, he even admitted he's like, "I'm sorry." Um, also, all of this does make them look suspicious, but again, I don't think it was them. If it, I'm pretty sure they would have submitted to DNA testing to prove that the female DNA on the letter did not match to Maria or yeah exactly yeah I mean if it was the Broadus family then why did they send the letters to the previous owners as well before they left Mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense it was also later revealed that another house received a letter from the watcher around the same time that the Broaduses received their first letter now the reason why no one knew about it is because police kind of apparently didn't really scope the neighborhood like they said they did They didn't interview every neighbor. They didn't ask them about these things and whatnot. So even the people that received the letter, they were like, I had no idea that anyone else received those letters. I thought it was just us. So I'm not surprised in my dealings with cops. uh, Their investigations tend to be less than. I mean, it really depends, too, because like, you know, first you have this. You're like, okay, well, is it because they're understaffed? Because they're in a big city, but this seems to be like a very safe neighborhood. So I feel like maybe they have some time on their hands. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Oh, yeah. I bet they're like, this is nothing. <laughs> they didn't care and they didn't do anything about Maybe they were it. like, oh, it's not a big deal. Uh, yeah. So as we all know, since the case is still open, there is going to be a lot of information purposely withheld from the public. I'm not sure if that means there's probably other suspects or other details in the letter that weren't disclosed. Um, all I got to say, though, it is too bad that the family never got to live in this beautiful house because, my God, it was really nice. So where are we at now? Do they still own it and they rent it? Here's the update to the family. <laughs> the Broadduses ended up borrowing money from family members to purchase another house. It was purchased under an LLC so that their information could remain anonymous. Smart. Yes. Uh, their home is still in Westfield, but far away from Boulevard Street. So their new house is mm-hmm. still in that town. Maria still really wanted to raise her kids in the town, although I did read in some articles that apparently people have uh, shunned them or, like, the kids might get a little bullied here and there for it. Yeah, people really do suck. Finally, in 2019, which is around the time I heard the story, which I think this is why, uh, the family was able to sell the Boulevard home, but it was at a loss. Quick reminder, it was purchased in 2014 for $1.3 million, and in 2019, it sold for 900000 that's a lot better than I thought they were going to It is get. a lot better. Uh, keep in mind, they also had done a lot of renovations, so the loss might have been even bigger than we're anticipating. I read somewhere that they sold the house for 400000 less instead of 300000 less. I know $100,000 might be a lot for us in concept, but maybe not when you're purchasing a multi-million dollar home. But yeah, so it was at a loss, and especially with like... I guess the inflation from mm-hmm. 2014 to 2019, that might have been pretty harsh mm-hmm. as well. 
So yeah, that's kind of the situation. They they're they're rid of the house at least. So who bought it? Was it a company? Is it is it going to get demolished? It's just a new family. I didn't get a lot of information from that, and so we don't even know if the new family's starting to get creeper letters now. As far as I know, nothing like that has happened. So. This is the last information we know of the house. It seems like either everything's okay or now they're keeping the letters under wraps yet again. I don't know. So, yes, that's my story. That's why I thought this one was a little different for sure. But I thought just as creepy. I This story really just stuck in my head ever since I read it a long time ago. That one really messes me up because yeah. if it's if it's someone who's – if it's just a – uh, an asshole in the neighborhood who this is their way of saying like I don't want these people living in here mm-hmm. that makes them just some of the worst people in the world and if it's an actual psycho then it's creepy because you don't know if they actually are interested in killing someone exactly um, maybe they were like hunting they were enjoying the hunt kind of thing and, and scaring them and they were just waiting their time but since the family never moved in maybe they never got their chance I don't know, man. so it with, could be smart you know with, that they didn't I'd say I with a $300,000 loss I'm sure with that kind of money, you could have paid to have a like 24/7 security crew at your house for at least like. Well, he did. He had. He did months. have private investigators. I mean, even he Not was just investigators. You have someone permanently at your house, even during the like day. like a bodyguard kind of thing. Well, and yeah, shifts. But, you, but if you do it for like six months just to keep the watch on and whatnot. But I, I'm, I'm vindictive. I'm the kind well, of person. I, I know, and you know, you and I don't have kids, and apparently the little kids didn't know anything about it. They didn't want them to know. It was very difficult to keep this away from them, saying, like, why has it been six months and we haven't moved into our new house? Things like that. It's really sad. So I think they were trying to make their life as comfortable as possible without feeling like they were going to die. And they're little kids. They want to play outside. They want to, like, run around in their yard. They they wouldn't be able to do that in their new house. So I think they were like, you know what, let's just eliminate this factor, not live there, and hope for the best. But... Yeah, eventually the kids did find out about it. I read that in an article. The guy, Derek, the the dad, was so bummed out about it. He's like, how do you tell a five-year-old that someone is obsessed with them kind of thing? So very, very sad. My theory is it's a really crappy neighbor who didn't want them in the neighborhood. That's my theory. That's my theory, too. I just think it's some jerk, but And let's hope something never horrible know. happens to that person. Well, I, <laughs> even if it is a psycho, I hope something horrible happens to them, too. I hope it's whoever whoever it is. I hope something bad happens to them. Exactly. I hope they get their own watcher. Well, that's creepy. I want, I want them to find out who it is. I really do, too. I know. I, so, I just want to know. I just want to know. That's what ghost hunters should do. <laughs> Kill watchers. No, no. Just go investigate. <laughs> yeah. They got all their sound stuff. Maybe they can find out if there's anything creepy in the house. Maybe they can find a ghost and be like, look, I need you to let me know who the watcher is. So. Well, because, I mean, if there's something creepy in the house, that... That's one way to figure things out. <laughs> you know, just listen, see if there's weird sounds, weird presences. I doubt it. I bet it was just a very nice, happy house. It it looked very nice and happy. The mm. The whole neighborhood did. So, yeah, that's my story. Well, that one was extremely depressing, considering I really want to go look at a house today. <laughs> so I'm going to be, like, looking at all the neighbors just being like, which one of you is a psychopath? I don't know. On the neighborhoods we're looking in, it could be literally everyone. But, you know, also at the same time, everyone has guns, so it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, they can just shoot us. They can just shoot See, us. We don't have guns. Us, they don't have to send us a letter. I know. It's like, look, just end it, all right? I don't want to <laughs> do this anymore. Um, They're writing like, this is all hard. Let's just shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to spell anymore. Oh, my God. Why? Okay. So, I think right now we're going to take a break, as usual, and then we'll be right back. And, Chase, I think you have a story, I right? I got a story. Yes. Okay, cool. We'll see you in a bit. Okay, so we're back, and we had quite the long break, but 
We had lunch. Longer than normal, yes. <laughs> yeah. We had lunch and discussed houses. Yeah, we did. So it was very boring, but yummy. So anyway, <laughs> we also have another story for Ch- from Chase, and I'm excited. Absolutely. So I was originally trying to find something like Halloween related. But most of the Halloween stuff I found was really short, and I wanted I wanted a good, meaty story. Okay, uh, nice. It's scary. It's just not Halloween-related. <laughs> but I am super excited about today's story. So these are the best type of end-of-episode encounters. You know, I'm a skeptic, but these are the ones that make me stop and lose myself in wonder. Because today, I'm going to tell you about what many people consider the first UFO sighting in America. Now, I was careful to say America and not USA (laughs) because the United States of America didn't exist yet. Okay. Take that government conspiracy theorist. Yeah. There was no government. There was no government in the United (laughs) States or the US area. No, this was long before the Revolutionary War in a time of witches, Puritans, and all of the danger and fear that the New World could provide. Back in the year of our Lord, 1639... (laughs) Uh-huh. So, the exact day is unknown, but the account was recorded on the 1st of March and only mentioned that the event occurred earlier that year. So, mm-hmm. we just know sometime in early 1639. Okay. That's that's good. It was recorded by a man named John Winthrop, the governor of the Massachusetts Bay Colony and known for writing some of the most important historical records for the time in American history. For context, the Massachusetts Bay Colony was established in the late 1620s, meaning the area had only been settled for around 10 years at the Mm. time of this event. Mm -hmm. This was still new land to people. None of it would have felt familiar. It was still really scary. James Everill, a man described by Winthrop as being both sober and discreet, had been out on the water with two other men one evening. They were rowing up a muddy section of water that emptied into the Charles River that flows through what is now Boston. Mm -hmm. On that particular night, they were caught off guard when they noticed a bright light appear in the sky above them. If that was all they had seen, it would be easy to assume that they were seeing like a shooting star meteor. Yeah. But this light was no meteor. It not only moved in multiple changing directions, it also changed its intensity back and forth. Mm. Bright, dark, bright, dark. It also stuck around for quite a while. As it moved, the object changed its shape. Winthrop wrote, quote, when it ran, it was contracted into the figure of a swine, end quote. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what that means. Uh, uh, maybe he meant like it was thick. I don't know. <laughs> it was a thick light. <laughs> um, I was thinking maybe it meant kind of oval because, you know, pig heads kind of oh, contract sure. and their butt kind of. I was thinking maybe ovally as opposed to just a circular light or something. I guess so. Um, because, you know, at this time, you know, they would have been used to pretty much just torches and lanterns yeah. things like that. Yeah. When it wasn't moving, the object appeared to become brighter and the, and he claimed, quote, when it stood still, it flamed up and was about 3 yards square, end quote. The men claimed that the light was regularly moving back and forth between their location and Charlestown, which was around 2 miles from their location. To make matters even more shocking is that this continued for over 2 hours. Holy moly. Yeah, 2 2 hours. The exact same kind of pattern. Right? Just back and forth, back and forth. The next part, though, is the best part of all. (laughs) Keep in mind that this was written in the 1600s, not in modern times, when the influence of other stories and media is unavoidable. This was written in a UFO vacuum. Once the light in the sky faded, the men in the boat looked around and noticed that they weren't where they expected to be. (gasps) In fact, they were at least a mile up from their last known position. Yeah. 
Oh Not only God. were they a mile away, they were a mile upstream. And none of them claimed to have any memory of rowing against the tide. Now, depending on the flow of the river, a strong wind or reverse tidal flow could be to blame. Okay. But I would assume these men would have been able to take that into account. I mean, these aren't strangers who've never been on a boat before. Yeah. They know how the river is behaving. <laughs> That's and true. From what I read at this time, the river flow would have actually been quite powerful. It isn't these days, but they've built a lot of like dams and stuff like right, that. Yeah. At the time, it would have been a relatively strong flow. And the fact that these men thought it was worth mentioning meant that it was a very jarring and unexpected experience for them. Normally, they mm -hmm. might just be like, huh, we must have lost track of time. They were like, no, this is weird enough. We are telling the yeah. governor of the Massachusetts <laughs> Bay Colony. We saw a strange light and we seem to have appeared somewhere we weren't expecting. That's bizarre. This was, this is in the 1600s. This is, right. Like, this is this before is, people knew about this stuff. They're not making this up, it sounds like, to accuse anyone of anything to gain anything this would have been just if anything something that would work against them but but they still felt like they needed to tell someone uh -huh. yeah which means as far as i know this is the first and maybe maybe <laughs> i'll find something else as i keep researching the first example of a potential lost time related to a ufo on record which means suggests Earth. some type of abduction i think yeah, that's why I wrote yeah. my notes after it to say, could they have been abducted? Yes. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Could they have been abducted? Or could something else have happened that they just don't understand? I don't want to keep bringing up that this is the 1600s, but usually weird events like this would be attributed to some act of God or devilish stuff or something religiously related. Of course. It would either be discussed as such with people. They would have gone to the governor and said, oh, we saw some weird devil's work or something like that. They didn't. It, this was a monumental event, and they wanted to talk about it matter-of-factly. And you'd also think a lot of people in those times when something weird happened, and they, if they were scared, they would just not say nothing because they didn't want to be accused of being like a witch. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they felt like they needed to talk about it. And, and another problem with this account is because this is such a bizarre thing that no one would have known about at this time, they may not have had the vocabulary or just really the understanding of what had happened to be able to put that into words. What if they had a much more out-of-body experience or the time dilation had a lot more things going on. They just don't know how to describe that. But like you said, since they were pretty experienced boat well, riders or whatever. Well, everyone had knew how to be outside. <laughs> yeah. Or they would have been dead. So I Exactly. Mean, it's like uh, you really needed to know what you were doing and that way you don't get lost or you don't get taken by by the stream or whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this is very compelling. And it wasn't just one guy. It was three guys. Like, yeah. it's easy for one guy. People are like, oh, he gets absent-minded and he just lost his way. <laughs> he Jeff had a, lost his way. He had a little too much to drink, probably. Yeah, but three guys and they're all looking around going, how the hell did we get here? I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's interesting to me. I wish the other two names existed. Not because... Not because I would have known who they were, but just for some reason, only having one name, I just want to hear two other names, so it just feels more real. Mm -hmm. One suggestion is that they actually were witnessing a form of meteor shower, meaning that they were seeing multiple shooting stars giving the illusion of a singular object darting back and forth. But this isn't the best explanation because it would mean at no point were there multiple meteors at the same time. Yeah. And it also doesn't explain how, when the object stayed still, it changed in brightness back and forth. It's a half-decent explanation, though, even though it has its caveats, so we should think about that. Yeah. Another explanation has been that it was Ignis Fatus? Fatus? Yeah. Ignis Fatus. Yeah, like what? Lighting fat? Yeah. Um, 
which is burning gas emitted from the decomposition in swampy areas, and they were in a muddy part oh, of the sure. river. However, that usually occurs closer to the ground, and what they described looks like it would have been pretty high in the sky. So a lot of people say that might not be a good Just explanation. Just like orientation-wise, it didn't seem... Right, it didn't seem right, I don't think. Now, as a side note, I didn't print a picture of it because uh, we're using a shared <laughs> printer right now and I don't want to waste the ink. But the guy, John Winthrop, the mayor who took this down, I have to show you a picture of it. Maybe I'll get it in the image. He totally looks like an alien wearing 1600s clothes <laughs> with white skin. I'm not joking. What? I looked at it and I was like, damn, you look like an alien. Maybe he is an alien. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, yeah, you just saw. He's like, that was not my space. I mean, that was that was gas. <laughs> yeah. It was totally gas. <laughs> it might be easy to just say that these three guys had a weird experience and forget about it. But amazingly enough, despite occurring so long ago in such a relatively sparsely populated area, Winthrop noted in his entry that this light was seen by other people as well. He wrote, nice. quote, diverse other credible persons saw the same light after about the same place. End quote. Very nice. Just adds a... Uh... Adds more to it, I think. But wait, there's more. (laughs) What makes the story more fascinating is that it isn't an isolated incident on its own. Not only was it not the only unexplained light seen in the area, it wasn't even the only one documented by John Winthrop himself. Five years after the light in the sky, another bizarre event occurred. On January 18th, 1644, more lights were witnessed. These also occurred late at night, and they were also witnessed by men on a boat. John Mm -hmm. Endicott wrote a letter to Winthrop detailing the event. In it, he said, quote, About midnight, three men coming in a boat to Boston saw two lights arise out of the water near the north port of the town cove, in form like a man, and went at a small distance to the town, and so to the south point, and there vanished away. What? They saw them about a quarter of an hour being between the town and the governor's garden. The like was seen by many a week after arising about Castle Island and in one-fifth of an hour came to John Gallup's point, end quote. Later in the letter, he continued discussing other bizarre occurrences when he wrote, quote, The 18th of this month, two lights were seen near Boston, as is before mentioned, and a week after, the like was seen again. A light like the moon arose about the northeast point of Boston and met the former at Noddles Island, and there... They closed in one and then parted and closed and parted diverse times and Mm -hmm. so went over the hill in the island and vanished. Sometimes they shot out flames and sometimes sparkles. This was about (laughs) eight of the o'clock in the morning and was seen by many. About the same time, a voice was heard upon the water between Boston and Dorchester. Heck no. Calling out in a most dreadful manner, boy, boy, come away, come away. And it suddenly shifted from one place to another a great distance, about 20 times. What? It was heard by diverse godly persons. About 14 days after, <laughs> the same voice in the same dreadful manner was heard by others on the other side of town towards Noddles Island. End quote. And were they, were the other people, like, could they somehow, what am I trying to ask here? Did they report it and then later combined information or was this kind of all at the same time i don't know this could be a bunch of collected rumors but i think the idea is there were a lot of lights and maybe some weird noises and some people assumed that they were hearing voices on the water that's so creepy though that's like a that's almost cryptid not you know alien-ish so we'll see and i'm so excited that you mentioned that because that's where this is going oh yeah (laughs) 
Now, this is where the story shifts from being strictly about strange lights and UFOs and descends into the delightful realm of paranormal legend. Relating to the lights near the Harbor Islands, it was later suggested that this might have something to do with a tragedy that struck a few years prior. Apparently, there was a small form sailboat known as a Pinnacle that was captained by a man named Chaddock. The boat had been loaded for a trip down to Trinidad, but before leaving, a massive explosion destroyed the boat. Mm. The captain was not on the boat at the time, but the rest of the crew was. Five of the six crew members' bodies were recovered in the wreckage. The one body not recovered belonged to a rather strange crew member who had developed a rather sinister reputation. It was believed that he had knowledge of magic and necromancy Mm. and even killed his master on a previous voyage. It was also noted that not finding a body from such a catastrophe was itself not common. They were shocked they couldn't find his body in whatever kind of disaster it was. Okay. Like no evidence of anything, Mm -hmm. basically. Okay. As you can imagine, this led people to believe that the crew member was responsible for the disaster, possibly lighting the gunpowder on board himself. Mm. It was suggested that the mysterious voices could in fact be that of the devil speaking to this macabre individual. It was also suggested that these strange lights were also a result of evil magics, likely from this necromancer who may still be alive. Yeah. Others have suggested that the crew members possibly became extremely drunk, Sometime, something not out of the realm of reason, especially for sailors at the time, and it resulted in a lethal accident. Mm. The prevalence of the paranormal explanations makes more sense when we consider that Captain Shattuck was not well-liked in Boston. He and his crew developed a bad reputation, often resulting in infighting with the Puritans in the area. This is compounded by the fact that they are also extremely religious, and tales of witchcraft and evil magic were particularly troubling at the time. Oh, yeah. This all helped contribute to the legends of how Castle Island is haunted by ghostly voices and mysterious lights that continue to this day. So, it has not stopped. Well, now they seem to be stories instead of being a big reported thing everyone sees. Now people say, oh, I saw the lights the other day. (laughs) Tales of crew members in league with the devil is the sort of story one would expect from a highly religious area in the 17th century. But that doesn't necessarily explain the light, particularly those that seemed farther from the area and would seem otherwise unrelated, such as the one I mentioned first of the three guys who saw the darting uh, lights back and forth. And this wasn't happening. I'm not saying the explosion of the boat is what caused this because that happened years before, Mm -hmm. apparently. There were many recorded witnesses of these lights that I think it is reasonable to assume that lights were in fact occurring, regardless of what the origin of the lights are. I think it's reasonable to say there were lights being seen, whatever they were. There was enough people for sure to say absolutely the more i learn about the area i'm becoming convinced that the new england area particularly around the first couple colonies such as boston and plymouth Mm -hmm. might just be some of the most haunted land in the united states Mm -hmm. it might be because it was one of the older areas and you know how it is when something's older everyone has a story or maybe it's because of the infamous witch trials that we all heard about but what if it isn't all the ghosts and spirits what if it really was just UFOs yeah. the whole time? And they're like, ha ha, has nothing to do with you people. Like, it's us in the sky. So I love this story because whenever I hear UFO type stuff that takes place before a lot of modern science fiction and science understandings of things, and they're written either as we have no idea what happened or maybe it was God or maybe it was something else, they're the ones I find the most intriguing because even in the 1600s, people knew what shooting stars where they had seen them i mean yeah i know i know there was a huge 
hold over a lot of ideas about how the universe worked, but people still knew these things. Seeing a shooting star wouldn't have scared someone at the time. They happen like all the time. Yeah, especially because yeah. people were outside all the time. They were seeing these better than they do now. Yeah. So when I see people needing to write down extremely bizarre situations, I'm going, okay, something crazy happened. And maybe it was a totally normal thing. Or maybe... Maybe they were aliens. Maybe they were future humans coming back to document history. I don't know. Maybe. Whatever it is, I thought it was a really interesting story. And so just all the more reason to see more crap when we go to Boston. Yeah. (laughs) More aliens for us. More aliens. Yeah, you thought it was just the witch trials. I did. Well, yeah. I I definitely want to do the witch trials at some point. That's going to be a pretty big episode. I think it'll be like miniseries like oh now i'm going to talk about the witch trials and some of some of the stories here and then keep on going in the future because there's just so much information so many different stories got to make it spicy cuz i did a lot of reading on those back in the day so <laughs> got to make it spicy got to make it spicy to to all right well i'll see i'll see what i can do all right so that was today's end of episode encounter 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 yay I- <laughs> yay next <laughs> Oh my god. No, I actually really liked it. That was really I don't know. It's just like you said, it's old and they had no real like science fiction knowledge or what what any of this would have meant. The time dilation part's the part that messed me up the most. Yeah, exactly. That one I was just like, hmm. 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 It's true. And plus I I can't deny any UFO story that turns into a uh a magic practicing necromancer sailman who <laughs> sa- a sailor who blows up a boat. Okay, this is craziness yeah but But i liked it yeah so now that we're towards the end of our episode it's time to talk about our movie list for those of you who are joining us or at least curious about our movie list as a quick reminder the movies that we were supposed to have watched by this week are fire in the sky which we did the story on last week as well we watched it uh the craft the orphanage Pumpkinhead, ginger snaps hell house llc and the mothman prophecies this week was totally all over the place in terms of genre, <laughs> pacing, when it was released. This was quite a wild week. It was, a, it was a good week. It was a spicy week. But it was a wild week. Yeah. So, let's just start. What was your favorite movie we watched this last week? Not your favorite not your favorite of all time. I just mean, like, um, you enjoyed watching this week the most. Let's see. I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed Hell House LLC this time around. I think it's because we were... Well, one, we weren't drinking. But we were just kind of like able to understand what was going to happen because mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie is a little hectic. And then it kind of. Beginning's incredibly terrifying. Yeah. And then in the middle part, it does slow down. Too but much, but it does. I think you think it does too much. My only problem was the interpersonal drama that I felt was unnecessary between Agreed. the characters that I felt like didn't bring anything to the story. I think the ending, like the, the, the last third act, whatever you call it, I thought it was amazing. Pretty stellar. Yeah. And I think I think what happened when I first watched it is I got I got too overwhelmed by the slowdown and I just I held on to that too much in my mind, which I yeah. shouldn't have, because if you can just get over that, the beginning and ending are just phenomenal. Uh, some very good scary moments. And it is a found footage film, so if you haven't seen it, and it does have all the problems a found footage film will have. So if that's right. a problem for you, you can go ahead and avoid it. But this one had a unique premise. It is very interesting. I hear their sequels. I don't know if they're going to be any I saw good. the sequel. Uh, it was not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, I'd i say on my second view, I liked it a lot more. So I would go from not wanting to see it to actually be willing to recommend it with that preface. Yeah. Now, normally I would say my favorite movie is The Orphanage because it's the scariest movie of all time to me. But Hell House LLC was such a... 
unexpected surprise. I think that was probably mine for the, the week as well. Yeah, I think so. Now let's talk about disappointments from the week because I got one. Oh no, what was it? Well, I had oh, one first. I do. I think I do know. Okay, so for you, I last week we talked about Pumpkinhead, and you're like, you've seen it. I was like, have I? Well, when I rewatched it, yes, I have seen it. I really don't like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I I like the movie. I think it's. I think it's supposed to be kind of cheesy, but at the same time, they made it a little too serious sometimes, and maybe that's what like you weren't expecting because no, it wasn't it wasn't, wasn't straight up a, a, a slasher. It wasn't straight up a creature. The the balance of cheesiness to legit fear was never a problem for me. Yeah, I think the monster looked great. I just think the plot was incredibly boring, and it was very slow. And without giving any spoilers, there's a there's a character that makes all this bad stuff happen, but then doesn't want the bad stuff to happen, and it doesn't make sense, and it's hard to understand the character's motivation. And he's a really good actor, like so there's nothing wrong with the actor. Like in his other movies, he's great. I just at the end of the movie, I was like ready for it to be over, even <laughs> though the monster looked really cool. So. Yeah. I I can kind of agree. Out of all like the you know, those kind of monster movies and, and and I don't know if I put in a slasher, but it kind of feels like someone's always constantly it's chasing them. It's some sort them. of slasher creature. Yeah, kind of like Freddy Krueger kind of thing. And so for me, it's definitely one of my least favorite ones, but mm-hmm. not like because I don't like it. I just think there's better ones out there. And I hadn't seen it in so many years. That's why I put it on the list. No, and it was yeah. it was still fine. I'm, I'm glad I saw it again, but uh, I I wouldn't complain if it didn't show up next year. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it every year. <laughs> so what about you? Did you have one that you were disappointed with the most this Honestly, week? Honestly, no. I thought this this week was really fun for me. I really liked it. I I watched The Craft again. I I wouldn't say I was disappointed, obviously, because I love that movie. But it I is think a very it, good movie. But I I've just watched it today. Right. I think that's the only thing is that I've seen it so many times that as I was watching it, I was kind of like doing other stuff too, because I can just I can just literally see it in my head as I hear it on the TV. You know. It's also funny to me because my brother had a huge crush on <laughs> Feruza Balk, that she plays the evil witch. In I it. think a lot of guys had like the goth thing. They were uh, like, well, yeah. I had the goth thing, but I was never into her. Yeah. And my brother was into her. He even had her as like his wallpaper on his computer back when he was like in high school oh geez and so every time i see that movie i just remember that and for some reason it's so hard for me to get past it. every time it seems like my brother was just like into this chick but it's a great movie i am gonna say full disclosure there is one movie we did miss this week but we yeah. are absolutely gonna watch it because it is a favorite especially the ladies and that's ginger snaps i, I know, do recommend so it. it it works very well with our podcast uh i can't tell you why until you watch it we actually just missed it because it was a timing issue no, well, it it came on when we got our... No, 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 no. Why was We were it? in a place without internet at the time. That's right. I was and, like, what was the reason? And so we couldn't stream at the time, and we didn't want to miss... We didn't want to push all our movies. So we're going to get to it. We're going to double down on movies this weekend. And, yeah. And, uh, and we've been watching a lot of other special movies. Uh, we should mention some of the extra movies we've seen this month. Mm-hmm. So one, we watched Teen Wolf. That's just because it came on TV and we just sat there watching. We like missed the first 10 minutes. We just watched yeah. the whole thing. I don't know if it's a good movie, but I do like it. And I pretty much am a huge Michael J. Fox fan. I would say it's a little cheesy. because uh, beyond with, cheesy. With the high school like mm-hmm. drama and stuff. And he happens to be a werewolf, which is really weird. There was but... something about the 80s where scary stuff was presented as not being scary. Like you see Michael Jackson's thriller and it really wasn't scary and no one's really scared. And you see Teen Wolf and... You should be scared of a kid turning into a werewolf in the middle of a basketball court. 
but no one was scared instead they he became popular and you're like okay the cool kid or something (laughs) like oh yeah everyone wants to date the guy with the hobo beard yeah it's still fun and i think it's i think i'm gonna blame that on michael j fox selling it but then we also watched a movie called dog soldiers which is hard to find it's made by the guy who did the descent and he did it before the descent Mm -hmm. and that is a british werewolf movie yeah i'm not sure if i liked it the werewolf effects were fantastic, and it had a lot of actors that I liked in it, particularly Sean Pertwee. He's great. He's from Event Horizon and a lot of other things. I want to give it another watching now that I know what to expect to see if I like it again. But the werewolf effects alone are some of my favorite in a werewolf movie. Yeah, I thought they. I thought they had some pretty good like gore moments too. Absolutely. You know what I mean? They. I think they. They had a lot of good stuff going on. Some of the things I found a little unbelievable was the way they. Uh, the soldiers themselves reacted. Agreed. They didn't appear to have been in the military before yeah, or and something. And I'm like, look, I, I've never been in the military myself and, you know, I would die in like two seconds. But like, my point is, is that I have seen military movies that looked realistic. That I'm like, that looks like it would be correct. I don't I, know. I think you hit the nail on the head 100%. Yeah. Uh, that's a problem I see with a lot of movies. That's why movies like Saving Private Ryan or even very fictional movies like Aliens work so well is because those actors are sent to training like with soldiers so they learn how to act and they can carry it forward and and sometimes these other movies low budget they don't have that kind of money or time so they're just like and then you have the writer who's also never been in the military or seen enough military thing Eh, it all happens I do want to watch it again it's hard to find we had to buy the Blu-ray I'm not going to say it's a recommend yet we'll see until we watch it again coming up next week for the movies starting tonight as this episode came out going forward Mm mm-hmm on Saturday, we have The Omen, and we are talking about the original Omen. Oh, yes. Which, don't let how old it is fool you. It is legitimately terrifying. Fantastic Such film. a good movie. Iconic scenes. Totally worth watching. On Sunday, we have probably the most lighthearted movie of the... <laughs> it is. It's Practical Magic, which we just recently discovered. I had never seen it, and people always talked about it, and there was something about it that I was like, it looks boring. And I watched it, and I just I fell in love with it completely. It's kind of like a little romancy sisterhood kind of light-hearted movie. There's that, some romance. Yep. There, I'm not between the sisters. Like, the way oh, you said it made it sound really creepy. Yeah, no, no, no. No, no, no. no. Like, I guess there is a bit of a love story, but yep. it's more about growing up and, you know, the bonds of sisterhood and all that stuff. So it, it's really good. Watching it, I was like, this is 100% a Lily movie. <laughs> but I totally think it's worth watching no matter what. It stars Sandra Bullock and just like Michael J. Fox, she can sell almost any movie. She's it's Movies are worth watching because of these actors are just so fun to... Yeah. And, she, she sells and Nicole it. Kidman's in it too if you're a fan of her. I'm not, but <laughs> good on her. But You're I was, so weird about I, I, that. I was, I was in it for the Sandra Bullock. Okay. okay. And then Monday, we have Ready or Not, which is new to us. We haven't seen it. We have seen it. Ready or Not, that's the one where Samara uh, something, she like marries into a rich family and oh, then they play a game and totally she... yeah the chick from the babysitter yeah that's the same woman. oh okay we have seen it that movie's great that one's definitely more of a thriller we've suspense. only seen it once it's totally worth and it's it been a, a long time that's why i put it on there and then on tuesday is lily's birthday the 26th and we are watching 30 days a night yay and that's because it has special importance because we when that movie came out i actually took you to that on your birthday yeah so we were just it was the first year we were dating i don't even I think remember so. yeah and it stands as in my opinion one of the only vampire movies serious vampire movies I might add, that I actually think is good and terrifying. Most vampire movies tend to be 
not scary. Or they're supposed to be funny, like what we do or in Shadows. Or supposed to be some, some thriller type. Oh, yeah, you're right. Or comedy. <laughs> yeah. This one is, is, I'd say, as far as I can tell, this and Let Me In and Let the Right One In is the other alternate version of the European one. Those are the only vampire movies that I think are legitimately terrifying to me. Yeah. And so, yeah, this one was good. And then on the 27th, we have The Dark and the Wicked. I have not seen that one. Yeah, that's a new one for that's, us. That's new, so can't tell you anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> then on the 28th, uh, it's time for us to visit the Sanderson sisters with Hocus Pocus. Oh, yes. I decided to bring it in this year. This year, I don't know. I felt very nostalgic, and and so this is what we're doing. <laughs> Fantastic movie with Thackeray Binks, or is it Zachary Binks? Is it Thackeray? I can't remember. <laughs> I thought it was just, old I thought timey it was, name. Old timey name. And then for Friday, we're ending it with the uh, or ending the week with the Dawn of the Dead 2004 remake. By the way, not that there's anything wrong with the older one, but the 2004 remake is just the best. Yes. And so that's just a good fun blockbuster. Right. We are doing it. So we hope you guys join us this month for our horror movie marathon. If so, please let us know if you love or hate the movies and which should not return next year and which ones you're pissed we didn't put this year. I actually would be very curious to know what people like saw either for the first time and they're like, what is wrong with you? We have or... gotten some feedback. <laughs> we even had our friend Sean. He was like, hey, I'm going to check out this movie, which he thought might work. And then at, after the movie, he's like, don't watch it. Don't watch it's terrible. Yeah. Oh wait. It was some British movie. I can't remember what it was, but he was like, it was terrible. Oh, one he recommended. Okay, yeah. I was like, I don't remember. Well, he didn't recommend it. He said he was sitting down to watch it and he asked if he had seen it. And then afterwards he's like, Don't watch it. (laughs) So uh I think that brings our episode to a close this week. As a reminder, we are looking to hear some of your personal scary stories. So if you want to share them anonymously or not for a Halloween episode, drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com or through any of our social media accounts. Yes, definitely. And it's still not too late if you guys listen to this uh, before, I would say, Wednesday. And and you have a story that you guys want to share, a, a specifically scary story that you want us to share on Halloween for a special episode, please do so before then. Otherwise, uh, you can send it in anyway, and we'll do another bonus episode, I think. We're trying to... Listener stories, yeah. Seems, we seem to have a pretty good response, so we're going to try to do this semi-regularly. So if, yeah. if it doesn't make it this episode, it it'll, should be in the next one or, exactly. or, or so on. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, We haven't drank today because it's uh, still early in the day, but maybe we'll have a beer later. And we hope you do, too, as long as it's responsible and easy to do so. And if you're listening to this because you drank too much last night and you're hungover, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. See ya.